Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us, for your great long-suffering in putting up with us, for the intercessory work of the Holy Spirit that chastens us and brings us unto you. We thank you for the truth and the beauty of your word. Yea, even the beauty of holiness. We ask that you would bless us now as we continue in studying your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're looking at the section of verses 7 and 8 there in Galatians chapter 5 with regard to sowing to the flesh and sowing to the Spirit. And we left off this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 regarding that it, it, uh, it's always a blessing and the person is always blessed who is liberal in his giving and supporting uh, the work of God. Our verse also says that God is not mocked. Those who rob God will not escape the judgment of God. There's no more clear passage of that than what we see in Malachi. Turn with me to Malachi chapter 1. Probably know some of the verses that we're going to read. But the children of Israel were robbing God and we can rob God too. <clears throat> While I think of it, several years ago when I was young in the ministry, there was an older minister that related a story to me that uh, where he was pastoring, they were building a new building. And he went to uh, a lady there that was quite well off. And uh, talking to her about how much she might give toward the new building. And she said, well, I just can't afford to give any. And he said something to the effect, well, uh, God will get his. And just left it with her. And sometime later, after spending quite a bit of time and a whole lot of money in the hospital, the lady called the pastor uh, to come and visit her 
And she said, you're right. God has got, got back. In other words, God got back more than if she had given like she should have given to begin with. We don't know. Now, it's, it's always a danger uh, when I say what I'm about to say. Because sometimes people will think every adversity in life is because of something they did wrong. And we know that's not true because uh, Job had not done anything wrong with uh, the adversities that came upon him. But I, at that saying that, I am made to wonder how many times a lot of adversities come upon people because they have not been as faithful to God as they ought. Obviously, only God can say. You know, we can't say that. And, but we do know from reading the Bible from time to time of bad things happen to some people and it relates in the Scriptures it's because they hadn't done this or they hadn't done that and various and sundry things. Here in Malachi chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, he said, Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. Can you imagine uh, offering stale bread to God? And ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person? Saith the Lord of hosts. And now I pray you beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your person? Saith the Lord of hosts. And then in Malachi chapter 3, familiar passage here in verses 8 through 12. Will a man rob God? Yea, ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer of your sake, for your sakes, 
and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time of the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call, call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightful, delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. In other words, the reason they didn't have good crops is because they had not been obedient to God. And it makes me wonder with our nation that's going on now. We're too quick to uh, point the finger to Washington. I have uh, I take some time just a little bit each day sometimes, but sometimes not. Watching some YouTube videos of some farmers. And uh, there's one particular farmer in Minnesota that I watch from time to time. Uh, there's another one that I watch sometime in Minnesota. There's one uh, out in uh, Montana, and there's another one or two. Uh, occasionally, I look at. Now, these are these are people that uh, farm like uh, five and four, five and six thousand acres of soybean and corn, and so on. And here's some of the things that have taken place or are taking place in our nation. There's a couple of these farms that uh, early in the, the spring, they actually got their corn and beans planted about a month later than they normally did simply because of excess rain. And one farm uh, prior to that, a few months ago, back when they were harvesting their corn and beans, they were doing it in the mud of too much rain. Tornadoes came through Two of these farms tore up houses and stuff, but also tore down grain bins, the big grain bins. Out in Montana, I think I mentioned this recently, out in Montana, this particular wheat farmer where they would get, you know, on a... Uh, a poor year normally they get around uh, 30 40 bushels to the acre and uh, good years they would get up to 90 and 100 well uh, uh, last two videos I saw from this farm where they're harvesting their wheat uh, I think one of the highest uh, yields per acre that I saw was like 13 bushels one of them was nine bushels 
And what I'm saying all of that to say this, the weather uh, in destroying these people's property, crops, uh, out in Texas, by the way, they've been had droughts and uh, there's one man I know that uh, I follow on Facebook somewhat. Uh, he had to sell all of his cattle because he didn't have enough pasture or food to feed them. Well, whether God is uh, uh, chastening some of these men for some of their own sins or not, I don't know. And I can't say, but there's a possibility of that. Uh, they seem to have, uh, well, I just, I won't get off into a lot of the other things, but uh, I do believe that if nothing else, it's an overall judgment on our nation. Just a couple of weeks ago, there was, uh, essentially a town wiped out not too far distance from us in Kentucky over 30 people were killed through flood uh, there's been some flooding in Memphis and people that I know showed a picture of their <coughs> vehicle that was flooded on Facebook and they live in Memphis so another flood in Las Vegas St. Louis Fires in other places. When people don't serve God, there's a judgment. There's a judgment. And how much God judges His own people, uh, like I said, we can't always say if we were living in the days of Noah, no, not Noah, if we were living in the days of Job, we'd probably be as ignorant about Job as his friends were. And yet there is an element of truth with regard to the friends that many times when calamities come in people's lives, it's because they haven't been faithful to God. No, the New Testament, from our reading here in Malachi, the New Testament does not demand tithing like it was under the Old Testament. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> but I've always thought that uh, 10% was a good place to start. Because in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7 and verse 8, it talks about how that the Old Testament economy was weak and unprofitable. Well, if the Old Testament economy under 10% was a weak and un unprofitable thing, uh, and grace is far greater than, uh, than the Old Testament law, Look like we ought to be more generous. But having said that, uh, I would never want to put a 
for an unjust hardship upon any individual. But we do know that the Scripture tells us that we are to give as God has prospered us. We should give as God has prospered us. We saw that uh, when we read there in First Corinthians, excuse me, Second Corinthians, chapter nine. Let's go back there for just a second. Notice what he said. Verse seven: Every man, according as he purposed us in his heart, so let him give. There have been times in my life that I have known of circumstances or situations that all of a sudden I thought in my mind, well, I'm going to send so much money to so-and-so. And immediately, oftentimes, I don't know whether it's the devil or just my own sinfulness. I get to thinking, well, maybe I don't need to sin that much. Maybe I could sin something else. But here he says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, Every man as he purposeth us in his heart, so let him give. And I do know that every time that I've done that, uh, I've been blessed. I've been blessed. I'm almost afraid to, uh, to, uh, that I might be stealing from God if I didn't do it. That reminds me, by the way, here again, this was back in the 60s. <laughs> but I was uh, preaching at a place and there was an old brother. I think he was sitting on the second row. If he wasn't sitting on the second row, it was on the third row. All the way over to the right on the end of the row. But that man was sitting up, hanging over the, the pew in front of him. And it was just like he was drinking in every word you were saying. I never, I mean, he was, he rejoiced at the preaching. Uh, he was always rejoicing, always happy. Uh, just a, a, just a, a pleasure to be around. Come to find out, this man was one of the most generous men in the congregation and at the same time, one of the poorest. I don't know how many times, but I know that at least there was one occasion. I think there was more, but uh, I remember 
I don't remember whether the man told me this or the pastor told me this or what. And I don't remember how I learned all these details. But he uh, gave the last hundred dollars that he had. He just gave it because there was a need. And he said he'd never missed a meal. He never missed a payment. He said, you can't outgive God. In other words, that, that gentleman was a, uh, a living testimony of what Paul was writing here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Every man, as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, in other words, when we give, we don't need to say, well, I know there's a need and uh, I, I, I've got this bill coming up and I believe I ought to give, but uh, well, I'll go ahead and give it anyway. You're not to give grudgingly. Or a necessity. Well, the, 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 the treasury is pretty good uh, there at, and the congregation has a pretty good treasury built up and they really don't need it so uh, if they needed it I would give no you give as God has prospered you you give as God has prospered you for God loves a cheerful giver you give cheerfully Beloved, if any time that we give, whether it's giving directly to an individual or giving a contribution in the house of God, however and whatever, any way we give, we need to do it with joy, not grudgingly. We need to do it cheerfully. If it's to help someone, we need to do it cheerfully. And notice what he says here. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His righteousness remain, remaineth forever. Lord willing, we're going to look at some verses here shortly. I think I wrote some down. God doesn't forget what you've done. As it says in Hebrews, God, is not, God doesn't forget your labor of love. We may forget. We may forget. I remember uh, the first congregation that I was pastoring, and I probably wouldn't remember this if what I'm fixing to say didn't happen. We had an old gentleman there that uh, he lived uh, in the backside of nowhere. <laughs> the road leading up to his house was a sand road. I think he had running water. But he's very, very poor and so on. And I visited him from time to time and we always had a, a, a good visit. But I was 
visiting one time uh, Brother Wallace, who's a preacher that lived near there. And somehow he and I were talking, and I don't know what brought it up. I really don't know, but uh, he said something to the effect of me giving uh, Brother so-and-so so much money. I'd totally forgotten about it. And like I said, I probably would never, wouldn't even think about it today if Brother Wallace hadn't mentioned that I had done it. Well, that's the way we ought to give. In other words, we don't need to keep a record. God, that's God's record. If we keep a record, then probably we're not giving it for the right motive. That's the way I am with a, uh, a lot of times people will confide in me about things and uh, later on uh, somebody may bring something up and or they may even bring it up and say, you remember what I told you about such and such? I said, you know, I've forgotten about that or I didn't remember that. In other words, when people confide in me, uh, I try to help them in any way I can, but I really don't want to keep that stuff stored up. I don't need it. It wouldn't do me any good. But our righteousness remains forever. God knows. God knows. And there's something to it when it says in Matthew that we will not lose our reward. We'll look at that here in a moment. Now remember, you'll find this in Mark chapter 12, verses 42 and 44. But you know the story well, so, I'll re so we'll talk about it. The widow that gave the two mites. And if you'll go and read that, it said that what she gave was very little as far as money-wise. I think a, a mite was something like an eighth of a cent in our money. It's very little. Very little. Come on in, brother. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that widow woman, she gave her two mites. But it was very little as far as compared to what all the Pharisees had given. But if you'll notice what it says there in Mark 12, she gave more than they all. You know why? She gave 100%. She gave 100%. And people who love will give. We were talking about Galatians chapter uh, 6 verses uh, 7 and 8. But she gave everything. And notice that God is not mocked and neither is anyone else mocked at their giving. 
Let's look at Luke chapter 10 for just a moment. Luke chapter 10. Well, I really don't know why I've got that verse in here. I think I may know, but I'm not sure. Let me look at another one right quick in 1 Samuel. Maybe that'll trigger the other one. That hasn't happened in a long time. Okay, yeah, I know why I got had that one in there. In Luke chapter ten, verse sixteen, he that heareth you heareth me. He that despiseth me. Uh, despiseth you, despiseth me, and he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. And then in First Samuel chapter eight, in verse seven, the Lord told Samuel, He said, "Hearken, uh, hearken unto the voice of the people." In other words, the people wanted a king like everybody else, and Samuel was displeased. And it, God said, "Go ahead and, and give them a king like they wanted." He said, "For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them." And then in Exodus chapter sixteen. In line with all of this. And what I'm trying to show here. The importance of the minister being faithful in teaching. And how the minister should be honored. Exodus chapter 16. And verse 8. And Moses said this shall be when the Lord shall give you. Uh, in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against Him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. So in light of what we've been covering these last four sermons with regard to the ministry and the ministry being uh, paid and the ministry being honored, and like I said, uh, this congregation is it's not against this congregation, but we're just teaching it for the people out there in the internet. When a man is faithful to the word and people will not support him as they ought and honor him as they ought, then what they're doing, they're actually uh, rebelling against God. They're not rebelling against man. And that's the reason it's very, very 
uh, essential that the ministry be what it ought to be. If he's not what he ought to be, if he's not laboring in word and doctrine, then you don't need to pay him. You don't need to honor him. And like I said this morning, we got too many preachers that's paid too much. And we got many that don't need to be paid because they're not laboring in the Word. But He does not give as He ought in the kingdom, especially when He supports those who teach in all good things. It's those, it's those who teach in all good things that are to be supported. But when you do like you ought, you don't lose your reward. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. You may not, in giving, you may never see the fruit of your labors. You may give, and you may never get a big bank account. You know, some people think that when it talks about that uh, uh, God loves a cheerful giver and, and so on and that your righteousness remains forever, which we read there in Second Corinthians, I'm here to say that it may be your rewards is going to be when you face the Lord. Remember we quoted from Hebrews that God is not quick to forget your labor of love. Alright, look in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 1, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. If we do things for somebody to see, or to tell us what good we've done, if we, if we do things on that basis, that's our reward. We got what we wanted. Somebody saw it. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. See what the Pharisees were doing when they started, when they threw their money in the pot, they always had somebody blowing the horn. Look here, look what I'm doing. I've seen buildings of congregations that had plaques in the wall sticking on the outside about, about this this building was built because of the dedication of so-and-so. And I'm thinking of one where it was the preacher that did it. Well, I guess he got his reward. Very likely he's not going to get one from the Lord. Verse 3, But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. 
God will reward openly in His own time, in His own way. Drop down to verse 19 of Matthew 6. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Just hold your finger there. But I'm I'm going to go back to Galatians and I want you to listen to this. See how this corresponds with what we just read here in, in Matthew. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, and he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. See, that's talking about giving to, to the ministry there in, in Galatians. But it's talking about reaping rewards to life everlasting. That corresponds with here. You're laying up treasures in heaven. You widow women, you think you're not doing anything? You're doing far more than what you think. And God will make that manifest in His own time. God will make that manifest in His own time. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. There's a whole bunch in Proverbs that I haven't even, uh, don't have written down. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at verse 7. I think some of these verses could have been arranged a little bit better in a better uh, format, but it's all having to do with the support of the ministry and, and giving and, and so on there from Galatians chapter 6. Verse 7, Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this, was, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? So you see here, 
He's talking about the idea of, of giving to the ministry. Well, I should read on. If others, verse 12, if, if others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel, and so on. Now, like I said, sometimes ministers can't do it. But where they can do it, and where they are laboring in word and doctrine, they are to be supported. But like I said again, there are a lot of preachers that don't study that much, and they don't labor that much, and they're paid too much if they should even likely should not be paid at all. And I want to say again, I've said it in every message, I'm going to say it again, this congregation has always done well and done the best that I know how. And uh, and we gave the one exception that we had heard, we, we know about, but... Uh, I'm preaching this more for the people out there on the internet than I am this congregation. So I don't want y'all to think at any time in whatever I'm doing that I'm uh, uh, preaching at you. <laughs> Just trying to exegete this passage. What's your, uh, and in this particular passage as it's found in Galatians chapter 6, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap, has to do with giving. And yet, that is a principle that can be applied to any sin. But I believe we have seen quite clearly, and I assure you I could preach months and months on this very subject uh, without going back over the same verses of Scripture. But you can see that quite clearly that God expects uh, the people of God when they can and as they can uh, to support uh, to support the ministry. And like I said, obviously, many sermons could be in, preached and enlarged on on this subject, including spiritual giving. Not only with regard to the ministry, but spiritual giving overall in general. But I believe what I have covered in these last four sermons should be enough for anyone, and I hope that people out there in the internet will uh, seriously consider their minister, and if he is a scoundrel, that they get rid of him, and if he is faithful, that they support him. <coughs> well, 
We're going to stop early before going on uh, to the rest of this. This is a good stopping place. Uh, I do want to go ahead and read the passage because I almost put it with verses 6 through 8 of Galatians 6, but I divided it, put it in another. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. That has to do with even with giving. Even with giving. There have been times in my own life uh, I didn't think, you know, things got really tight. And I thought, well, maybe I ought to slack up on my giving a little bit. But I'm thankful that, to my knowledge, I can't remember doing that. I went ahead and followed through, and God has blessed me ever since. And you can look at me until I haven't missed many meals. (laughs) And I remind you again uh, what I said this morning for the 10 years, uh, years and years ago when it wasn't even popular of being in the full-time ministry. I just lived from week to week. And uh, I remember... My dad discouraged that I had quit this job with the state. He said, the old Baptist won't support you. Uh, I said, Dad, I'm not doing it for the old Baptist. I'm doing it for the Lord. I believe the Lord will take care of me. And he did. And he did. And uh, there have been times I've driven hundreds, even thousands of miles. And... Uh, I went in the hole financially, but there have been other times God has blessed otherwise. But I say that, I hope by way of encouragement, uh, some of you widow women, uh, it makes it kind of hard to get by. But look how long you've lived. And God has hasn't uh, uh, left you, and He's always given you everything you need. And if you live another ninety years, He'll do that as well. <laughs> so I hope that by way of encouragement too. Let's pray, <clears throat> Heavenly Father. You know my heart that it's not really not easy for me to preach along this line. And yet at the same time, we can't avoid the subject. There have been times... Well, Father, as you know, one of the hardest contributions I ever had was a little child come up with his own money and handed it to me. 
than that roll of dimes that I still have in my desk that's been there for decades. The old widow woman that gave. And if it were not for the fact that if I refused it, I would have robbed them of their blessing. I never would have taken. You are a faithful God. And you've been with us, each one of us, all the days of our lives, far better than we deserve. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for taking care of us. And thank you for the expectation of being with you in glory. And if we receive any reward for anything we've done, that too is only by your grace. You get all the credit. It all belongs to you. In Christ we pray. Amen.